What up and welcome in film fans. This is the SDFP, the second day film podcast on this Thursday, the 13th of September. Happy to be back with you. I've got, uh, I've got Champ with me on what's a milestone episode for us. We're episode number 20. And that's a good number to tuck away. Uh, how you doing today, Champ? I'm feeling good, man. I'm glad to be back. We took a little uh, brief break here. We had a little lull at the theater. Football yep. season starting off. We've been busy with weddings and and uh, housing searches and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I'm glad to be back at it. We've been uh, checking out a lot of movies, and we're excited to share them with you. Yeah, and we do have a little bit of a sad, I guess, sad update to, to pass along. Uh, the third man of our team, Sam, the popcorn correspondent, he's actually moved away. Um, from Grand Rapids, which is where the rest of us live, of course. Um, so we want to have him on still, Champ, but uh, it's probably not going to be on on as regular basis as it was. Yes, the popcorn correspondent has popped away up to northern Michigan. Uh, we obviously He's obviously still considered part of the Second Day sure. Film podcast. He's still in the Second Day Film Club. Um, so we're hoping to have him on in maybe more of like a guest appearance mm -hmm. or an every once in a while sort of uh, fashion. Um, so yeah, still still around, but maybe you won't be hearing you know the the smooth sultry sounds of the Sam the popcorn correspondent as often. That's right. But we got a lot to get to today. We're uh, we're gonna do a who's watching what because it's been a long time, a few weeks since we've had a pod, and we want to talk about a couple of the films we've seen, and then also our featured review today. It's the newly released horror film The Nun. Uh, so before we get to all that, we want to let you know how to connect with us. We got our social sites, Champ, if you want to run them down. Well, yeah, Facebook. Just go ahead and search for us at the Second Day Film Podcast. Also on iTunes and SoundCloud uh, is a good place to hear our old episodes. And if you could go ahead and give us a star rating um, or maybe a review, that, that's really what's helpful yep. and really what we need to sort of increase the exposure of the podcast. Same thing on Facebook. Star rating and reviews is really uh, crucial. You can email us at secondayfilm.com. We're also on Twitter at secondayfilm. Uh, that's all written out. And our website is www.secondayfilm.com. You can also find our old episodes uh, there. That's right. All right, so let's uh, let's dive right into it. Who's watching what? I've got two films, Champ. I think you've got two as well. Um, so I'll let you kick it off here. Um, what's something you've seen lately and what'd you think about it? So a couple weeks ago, I saw the comedy Blockers. Uh, mm. I don't know if you heard about this one, but it was in theaters uh, a couple months ago. I think it was on one of our polls. It was at one point, yeah. And it did get a couple votes, and I actually okay. heard some people uh, say that it was a movie they liked. I think actually Sam went and saw it and said that he chuckled a little bit. Okay. This movie's directed by Kay Cannon in her directorial debut. It stars Leslie Mann, Ike Barinholtz, and John Cena as a trio of parents who try to stop their daughters, played by Catherine Newton, Geraldine Vitzwanthahan and Gideon Adlon um, from uh, basically losing their virginity on prom night. Um, this film falls firmly in the sex comedy genre, okay. although it, it kind of flips it on its head instead of a story about a bunch of you know perverted teenage outcasts trying to get their nut. Uh, it's about a group of girls who make a pact to lose mm. their virginity on prom night. So what I liked about this movie is that it's kind of the reverse. It's the, re it's the opposite perspective. We have some girls who are trying to... Uh, accomplish some sort of devious sex goal um <laughs> this movie has some good laughs it's 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 raunchy uh there's some good physical comedy in it mostly involving john cena um there's some good jokes 
Um, and John Cena, of course, the the former wrestler. Yeah. Maybe he still is a wrestler. I don't really watch too much WWE, but I know he's one of the most famous ones out there. Um, I actually think he's the star of this movie. He he's who oh. I enjoyed watching the most. Uh, he plays the sort of overprotective dad who's raised this tomboy sports girl. Um, and it's a role that's perfect for him. He's a, he's a big dude who's popping out of his shirt. And when he looks at the, the prom date, he's just kind of like terrified of him. Um, <laughs> so it's not a stretch for him to be playing this. But I think because of the way he looks in his appearance, you can kind of do some funny things with physical comedy. Um, the way he delivers his jokes are funny. He does it in sort of like an intense way. Um, but at the same time, he's sort of just kind of likable in the way that he is, because he's sort of like this nerdy dad that's cool at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, it's an entertaining movie for the most part. Um, I will say, I think it's a little imbalanced in its tone and its message. Um, and what I mean is, we have a sex comedy here, and it's, it's raunchy, there's inappropriate comedy throughout it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's trying to make some sort of statement about relationships between parents and high school girls and sort of the struggles and misunderstandings they may have. And each of the parents and their kids have sort of a different issue hmm. between them. Um, there's a there's a lesbian character in the movie, and it, so it's kind of progressive, and her struggle in deciding how to come out with her friends is something we don't always see. Okay. So I appreciated that. Um, but ultimately, when you spend an hour and 20 minutes doing all this sort of sex comedy, and then you try and give a movie a heart in sort of the last 20 minutes, it ends up just kind of feeling kind of odd. Um, that being said, if, if you're comparing it against other sex comedies, you know, American Pie, American Pie 2, you know, Road Trip, <laughs> yeah. all this kind of stuff, you know, I think it's, it's better than those, and it's nice to see things sort of from the female perspective. So I ended up giving it a 6 out of 10. Okay. It seems to be a trend, doesn't it? And we'll actually uh, get to another film um, that I recently saw that it seems like filmmakers are deliberately making more comedies with female leads, right? Yeah. Doesn't that I mean, seem I, like we've seen more of that lately? Bridesmaids kind of kicked it off. Yeah, there was the, 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 the Rough Night and uh, yeah. the other one that I forget Bad the name Moms. Of. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll get into some Girls of that. Trip, I think, yeah. was another one. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, I think what they realize is that there's more room for sort of nuance and variety within some of these genres, and particularly the sex comedy genre is the one we're used to seeing, you know, a group of dudes just trying to get laid or <laughs> yeah. do something or partying or whatever. You know, super bad comes to mind. Yep. You know, and I think it, it is important to sort of sell the other side because high school girls, you and me are not high school girls, we never were, but, you know, they obviously deal with similar things, you know. The guys aren't having sex with themselves most of the time, so there's obviously a female perspective to this. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a genre that's sort of tired and worn out. So by sort of flipping it on its head and showing it from a different perspective is sort of a new way they can attack it. I yeah. Think. And we definitely got a unique perspective with uh, the feature review we had last pod, which was 8th grade. That was another film where you and I are going to have no idea until you actually see something right. like yep. that. You can check so. out 8th grade if you go check us out on iTunes or SoundCloud. Search yeah. the Second Day Film Podcast. And uh, yeah, that review's there. That was a couple weeks ago, but that was our last review. So. Yeah, we liked that a lot. All right. So... Uh, it was the Sunday before Labor Day. My wife and I, it was her birthday, actually. Um, we went to Muskegon. We made a trip out of it to go to the drive-in, the Getty Drive-In, which is, as far as I know, the only local drive-in, at least in West Michigan. Did you put the seats down in the back, you know, bundled up, got the mood going? We, you know? So we, th we were How much of the movie did you watch, yeah, Evan? No, right. No, we did watch both of the movies. But strategy is interesting because... <laughs> You can either park facing forward and just kind of sit in your chairs, or you can back into the spot 
and then you know s set the you know the, the open the hatch and lay back. So we went with the more traditional route, just uh, in the chairs. But if you've never been to Getty, it's pretty cool. You know, it's a uh, the area itself is pretty well surrounded by trees, so you don't even really know what's back there until you get around the booth where you pay and get in there. And it's this huge open field with a concession in the center, and then four huge screens, kind of at each corner, if you will. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was a cool experience. Just going back to the drive-in, they haven't changed much there at, at the Getty Drive-in. It's owned by Celebration, but they they've kept you know the concession and and how they do things, the look, uh, the feel. It's very um, reminiscent of the old times, and I I thought that was cool. So, I, do you anything you want to say about Getty? Have you been there recently? Uh, a, a couple years ago, I went uh, okay. actually, and yeah, it is one of the few you know drive-ins that are still around. But drive-ins to me just like scream the magic of the movies, mm -hmm. right? The old school way of, of rolling up in your you know nineteen fifties Corvette and you know yeah. sitting there with your girl and the grease scenes. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, come on. I mean, it just it just feels really nostalgic. I think to go to a drive-in. It was a couple years ago we went and saw uh, the Jungle Book when it came out in okay. Zootopia. Uh, all double features, of course. And I yeah. think you're going to talk about both the movies you saw. Um, but no, I mean, it, I think if you love movies and, and you're looking for something to do on like a summer night, why wouldn't you go check it out? You know, it's it's pretty cheap. Two yeah. for the price of one. You know, you can bring your own snacks in. Mm -hmm. You can just lounge in the back of the, the car. You know, it's a great, it makes for a great night out, especially if you have kids, I think. Yeah. Or even for a couple, though. Yeah, great, great bargain, no doubt. Uh, so uh, that said, I let my wife pick the double feature and she picked the two that I probably wouldn't have picked myself, but you know it's her birthday. I'm gonna let her pick. So she she picked Slenderman, um, and that's the first one. I'll get to the second one in just a bit. So let's talk about Slenderman. Um, this uh, on IMDb, the plot description: um, In a small town in Massachusetts, a group of friends, fascinated by the internet lore of the Slenderman, attempt to prove that he doesn't actually exist until one of them mysteriously goes missing. Um, so I don't know that there's a whole lot more plot that needs to be described um, in this. It's kind of some of the couple up-and-coming uh, teenage actresses. Joey King uh, stars in it. Um, Jazz Sinclair, Annalise Basso. Not many names you're going to recognize, so I won't even really dive into it. But it's about this group of four girls who hear about the Slender Man and... You know, they, they're kind of lured into who is this Slender Man? What is this? Is this just a joke? Um, you know, it's kind of an internet sensation. And so they watch this video about or created by or whatever on the internet about the Slender Man. And that's when things start going crazy and the Slender Man starts slowly appearing in their lives to terrify them and things go really, really downhill fast, just as you would expect. Um, so. This uh, this was a horror flick for the new generation, right? The filmmaker utilized cell phones, laptops, things of the like to create scares and suspense. And we started to see that a ton lately, maybe to the point where it's getting played out, in my opinion. We saw that first with Paranormal Activity. They used some of those unique kind of video screens uh, to, you know, camera angles. And, and they made it unique, and it was the first time it happened. Um, but it's become a very popular uh, trend as social media continues to grow. We've seen a lot of movies, horror movies, use you know technology. Um, that said, um, this was a it was a average at best, if not below average horror flick. There were definitely some you know traditional jump scares, some actually disturbing moments. It was actually raining and thundering and lightning at the drive-in 
at the time we were there. Ooh, so we were using the windshield spooky. wipers. That actually may have helped create a scarier atmosphere. I'm serious. Uh, but the biggest problem with the film is there's just no story. There is no plot. The teenage girls, they start becoming haunted uh, by the Slender Man. And they start researching who he is and how to defeat him as they're continuing to be terrorized by him and their lives are impacted. But they really don't do a whole lot of research to figure out anything about who he is or how to actually stop him. You know, we at times we think they're going to start digging deeper into the mystery and try to find people who've encountered the Slender Man. Never really happens. Uh, I think the film here is really just an excuse for filmmakers to use creative visual effects to create scares. There's a lot of that. The girls are constantly tripping out. That's kind of how the Slender Man haunts them. Um, it's not like your traditional guy with a knife stalking a girl. It's very trippy. There's a lot of, uh, you know, really kind of unusual visual effects that we see that are part of the scare. Um, and there are some genuinely disturbing moments. They use sound in some ways to, to do that. But, you know, having those and only those and a story without really any story or resolution for that matter makes this average at best. I gave it a five, but had I watched it like at home on a smaller screen, I don't know, probably would have given it worse than that. Uh, not something that I'm recommending you have to see. Hmm, that's disappointing for me to hear because the actual lore surrounding the Slender Man is quite fascinating to me, yeah. and it's it's kind of a, a creepy character, you know, this guy with no face who has tentacles, who's got like these long appendages, who kind of just like appears in your dreams, and once you see him, you can't get him out of your head, and you don't really know if he's there or not. I think that whole idea is is really creepy. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember the Slender Man when I uh, first, I saw an HBO documentary called Beware the Slender Man. Um, and I, from the sounds of your review, that is definitely better to watch than this movie. That movie talks about the real case involving the Slender Man. Yeah. Um, where, um, there was this internet phenomenon was on Creepypasta, which is this creepy blog. And the Slender Man, that's where he originated from. And what actually happened um, is there was a, a stabbing of yep. two young girls who stabbed their friend. And they later, when the police were asking them, they said that the Slender Man made them do it. So Beware the Slender Man, the documentary, I think it's, you can probably find it on HBO Go or something. Um, that talks about that specific case, and it sort of gets into the lore of the Slender Man and sort of why it happened. I like how you said it was sort of a horror film for our generation, because the Slender Man sort of originated from the internet and from technology, and it sort of just became this weird cult thing yeah. on the internet. Um, and I think sort of the effects of that and how it related to this real live case um, is maybe a better spot for it than sort of a made-up story. It seems. Yeah, I mean, obviously, those girls had some sort of mental issue, one or both. Or You're not I buying the Slender Man? Yeah, no. But, but I don't know exactly what happened, but the fact that they claim he was inspired, they were inspired by him, that's a big deal, and that's pretty terrifying. But... You said said you know he's kind of a, a guy who gets in your dreams and gets in your head and and there was a lot of kind of really I don't know terrifying but really disturbing scenes where the Slender Man in a way is starting to get into the minds of these girls and you know there, there's some scenes that are genuinely creepy um, but I, I do think all in all you know the lack of a, any real semblance of a story here like I said that's what hurts it it was in uh, Waukesha Wisconsin in 2014 okay. two 12 year old girls lured, lured their friend into the woods and stabbed her 19 times 
in an attempt to impress the fictional character Slenderman. So, obviously disturbing. Yeah, wow. Obviously making a murder of the hit Netflix series also in uh, Wisconsin. So, I don't know what's going on yeah, over there right. in our neighbors across Lake Michigan. Too much beer and cheese, apparently. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I'm going to move on to my second movie. Okay. Um, and this is one I saw a couple weeks ago called Lean on Pete. Um, and this is one of the A24 movies. I love pretty much everything A24 does. They're a distribution studio, you know, lots okay. of movies uh, that you will have heard of that, you know, they're responsible for. Uh, the plot somewhere in IMDb, a teenager gets a summer job working for a horse trainer and befriends the fading racehorse, Lean on Pete. Um, so, uh, this is a movie that stars Charlie Plummer, Chloe Sevigny, Travis Fimmel, and Steve Buscemi. Um... I really loved this movie, um, and the main reason for it is that it felt really genuine and pure. Um, it's sort of an unflinching, realistic portrayal of a somewhat neglected kid who's sort of living in poverty in rural, unnoticed America. You mm. know, this story takes place in the rural Northwest, where sort of anything kind of goes, and rules are sort of meant to be broken. Um, this world that we're thrust into, uh, directed by Andrew Haig, I should say, um, because he is a big part. You can see his blue footprints all over this. Okay. Uh, but the characters in this, um, you know, Charlie plays this, he's a good kid who just kind of can't catch a break. Um, you know, he's, he's trying to do right things. He's not a bad kid. He's good at sports. Um, you know, but his home situation is not good. He has a father who, who loves him and cares for him. And he's not really a bad guy, but he's just flawed to the point where he doesn't really know how to best care for his kid um, because he can't even take care of himself. Yeah. Um, Steve Buscemi plays the horse trainer in this, who, again, is, isn't really a bad guy, but he's sort of this vain, vile, shady guy who's just kind of doing what he's got to do to survive. Um, and, and really all the characters that sort of come in and out of this story really naturally feel like people you would meet and could meet traveling across the back roads of America. Um, the story centers on, on Charlie and his relationship with the racehorse, Lean on Pete. Um, it's a relationship that's both tragic and beautiful. And, um, and as, while the horse is featured in the movie, it's really a story about people, and specifically Charlie, and the way that he's sort of just trying to survive through his life and, and make ends meet and, and get through this sort of tough hand that he's been dealt. And his relationship with the horse is sort of the way that Haig sort of uh, represents this. Um, it's not the happiest of story. It's, it's, it's one that's going to sort of, uh, test your sort of fortitude and, and will to want to watch a story, but I think it's important. It, it avoids melodrama and does things in a really true and poignant way. Um, I just think that's a, it's a really important movie for people to watch because it shows people the back roads of America, the poverty that is in the back roads. Yeah. And it shows what a person has to do to survive, you know, when they've been dealt a sort of hand that is not good. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I it's because I've I watched recently two movies that were kind of focused on the poverty of back back roads, backwoods America in uh Wind River and uh the, Winter's Bone. Yeah, Winter's Bone. And uh yeah, those were really cool films because you think of you think of like poverty, and you think of certain, uh, you know, drugs and crime and certain ways of life, so often just in big cities and urban areas. But there is that, and that that exists everywhere, including 
in small towns in rural America, and it sounds like this helps showcase well, that. Well, what I think is good about this movie is, like I said, it's not melodramatic. It's not really like trying to make a point. It's just sort of showing us this life and these people who exist in this world. I wouldn't really even say the movie is about poverty. It's just that poverty is there, yeah. right? This kid is yeah. lit. It's just his life, right? It's not even trying to like make a point about poverty or how. And I think the you two know, films I mentioned, same thing. Right. It's not really trying to make a point about that. It's just like sort of like you're a fly on the wall. Yeah. watching this kid try and make it and the people in the movie they sort of just come in and out of the movie they'll just dis they're in they're a big part of the movie and then they just disappear as he goes to another part of the world mm -hmm. so it's it's sort of just like it feels really real and genuine it's it's a really emotional movie um and it's charlie Plummer. i, I saw him in uh last year when we saw all the money in the world uh okay. the movie about jay getty um but uh that came out with mark Wahlberg and and uh uh, all them, Christopher Plummer, his uh, his dad, but uh, or his grandpa, um, but it's just a, it's. I put it in at six in my top ten wow. for the year. So, okay. um, you know, the only ones I have ahead of it right now are Mission Impossible, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Avengers: Infinity War, Deadpool two, and Tully. So, wow, it looks uh, like based on a, a novel as well. So, yeah. um, interesting. Yeah, I I'll uh, I'll have to check it out. I've not seen it. It looks like it's been a pretty limited release. It's um, one of those more artsy, smaller releases, you know, premiered at the at the Venice International Film Festival. Yeah. So it's one of these, you know, smaller releases that, you know, weren't going to get enough pub, but I had, I had heard good things about it. I had seen the trailer. Um, so I definitely made a point to try and see it, and uh, I was not disappointed. I definitely recommend it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, next up in uh, the double feature at the Getty Drive-In for us was The Spy Who Dumped Me. Um, so... <laughs> Seems like one you would have totally picked if Ash no. was Probably not. I love Yash, but uh, yeah, not a movie I would have chosen. Uh, so this uh, plot summary on IMDb, Audrey and Morgan are best friends who unwittingly become entangled in an international conspiracy when one of the women discovers the boyfriend who dumped her was actually a spy. So our two leads uh, in this, our lead really, uh, is Mila Kunis, Kunis, who plays Audrey, and then her best friend, Kate McKinnon, who plays Morgan. Um, those are the two big names. Justin Thoreau is also in this. He plays, uh, I believe, one of the spies in the film. Um, I think he's actually the boyfriend, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but anyway, this is kind of a wild comedy adventure movie um, where, as alluded to in the plot summary, uh, this girl finds out her boyfriend's a spy and um, she ends up obtaining something that is wanted by good intelligence agencies and also an evil group as well um so she has an object that they want and so uh she's kind of you know going across the country across the world really uh, across europe um to kind of protect this and so you know she's has no idea obviously that her boyfriend was a spy and she's totally unfamiliar with this world so there's a lot of action to it i mean it's just it's a spy film in a way and a comedy so there's a lot of action uh to the story um and i'll be honest i i've been up since 3 a.m for work on the sunday we saw this we had our fantasy football draft so once the opening credits rolled about 10:45, i was a little tired you know how that is at the drive in the second flick starts pretty late. Well, especially if you're going in the summer because you have to wait for it actually to get dark before exactly. you can show the first movie. So. so I don't have a whole lot to say about it, um, but that's kind of saying something in and of itself, right? It wasn't that memorable. Uh, it wasn't that memorable of a comedy. Um, you know, you do have two uh, female actresses, two actresses who are really big hits right now. Mila Kunis, 
uh, has been a very popular comedy actress with Bad Moms films. Kate McKinnon, of course, a star from Saturday Night Live. Her star has really rose over the last year or two. Um, and there were some funny moments in this, McKinnon especially. She's kind of the slapstick comedy, the dumb friend who's trying to help but often just gets in the way and makes things worse. She was funny at times in that dumb comedy way, but also at times it didn't hit for me. All in all, I think it was kind of an average at best comedy, despite some okay performances. Um, and I mentioned, you know, we talked about like blockers and films where it's a comedy film with an all-female cast or all-female leads. A couple that I thought of that I've seen recently, The Heat, starring Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, and then Bridesmaids, those were hilarious. I love those movies, and I'm a guy, and I can't necessarily relate to what they're going through in those movies, but, you know, given it's all females, but I really like those. Those were laugh-out-loud films. This just wasn't there. It wasn't on that level, not really even close. Pretty average. I ended up giving it a 5 out of 10. Have you seen The Spy Who Dumped Me? I have not, and I don't really have uh, any any interest in seeing the movie, if I'm being honest. So it uh, sounds like it was a great night at the drive and a couple fives there for you. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, no no other movies worth seeing, apparently. Well, uh, the, one, uh, the double feature I wanted to see was the first up was The Meg, and second up was... Um, the latest Mission Impossible. That's what I wanted to see. Um, but, you know, it's my wife's birthday, so I'm being a good husband here, and I'll have to catch those flicks another time. Yeah, you definitely need to go see Mission Impossible on the largest screen possible. I think I said that when we reviewed that oh, yeah. movie. You can also check SoundCloud iTunes for that review. Sure. Um, sort of a side note on Mila Kunis. Um, I know she's a comedic actress, and I know that's sort of her bread and butter, you know, you know, came up through that 70s show and voicing Meg on Family Guy. Mm -hmm. So she's a comedic actress, but... One of her best performances, in my opinion, was in Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Mm. And I think she showed that she can be a dramatic actress. I, I wish we would get her branched out a little bit more, more into these roles where she can actually act. I mean, I know she's good at comedy and she's good at this stuff, but you would think that she would be able to get a little bit more, you know, nuance in her roles. I just would like to see a little bit more out of Mila Kunis, because I think she is pretty talented. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, she was fantastic in that. And uh, this was more of what she's used to. We'll put it that way. It didn't require a great performance. Um, you know, it, it, there wasn't... You talk about, you know, those movies that try to have, like, a little bit of heart. There were those times when, like, this movie tried to have a little bit of heart at times, like you said, blockers. But it's so kind of slapstick and dumb most of the time. And it just it doesn't work. Just, just make it what it is. It's dumb. And just roll with it. And I feel like sometimes trying to make it more emotional just seems a little disingenuous to most of the movie. So, all right, well, hey, let's move on now to our featured review. And uh, this is, a, I don't want to call it a hit, but the big horror release in theaters right now. It's called The Nun. I had a series of visions when I was younger. And after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw a nun. Church, and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania. The abbey has a long history. Violet. Not all good. What? Caroline's here. Okay, so on IMDb, the plot description here. A priest with a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows... 
are sent by the Vatican to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confront a malevolent force in the form of a demonic nun. Uh, so this film directed by Corin Hardy, not a name I'm familiar with at all. Uh, the, the names and the actors and actresses in this, not familiar with many of them either. Uh, Demian Bichir is the uh, the priest. I might have. Do you know him? Yeah, Damien Bashir. He's an okay. Academy Award winning oh, actor. Okay, what's he in? What, uh, did he win? He, what did he win for? He he. Well, Damien Bashir won the uh, won the Academy Award. Uh, let's see, Damien Bashir. <laughs> I just did, I just did that guy's name. Just no justice. Yeah, right Damien Bashir and uh, nominated for the Academy Award in uh, A Better Life, so okay. a few years ago. Okay. Um, Tyessa Formiga is uh, known in uh, American Horror Story. She's yep. been in that. I've a few seen times. her. Yeah. Yep. And Jonas uh, Bluquet is the other one. I haven't. I've seen him around in a okay. few things. Uh, a movie L I saw a couple years ago. Uh, it was um, Elizabeth Hubert was nominated for Best Actress in that movie he popped up in there i think i've seen him and he was in an episode of black mirror okay. too i think okay. so you know the actors that have been around and done some things but you know not like a-list guys sure. at all so do you want to talk a little bit about how this kind of fits into the conjuring universe maybe we should give that context first i think so i mean it's the fifth movie in the conjuring universe so um this is a movie that or a, a movie series that uh revolves around ed and lorraine warren who are sort of these noted famous paranormal investigators um they're played in the conjuring films by Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson and they both make brief appearances sort of in the beginning and end of this movie uh, The Nun um, but so I actually haven't seen that many of these movies in the universe that's the Annabelle films and then The Conjuring 1 and The Conjuring 2 I've seen the first Conjuring I like that movie quite a bit um, it, it was, I remember, a pretty effective horror film that sort of thrived on, you know, that sort of, oh, this happened in the real world, this is, yeah. could really happen, you know, and I, it sort of had like a realistic tone, and I remember it being pretty freaked out. The first Conjuring that. was really good. Yeah, I remember that, I mean, and I, I remember when we ranked horror films, you know, way back when, you know, months ago, I actually considered putting the first Conjuring in there, so... I definitely would like to see the second Conjuring, and I haven't seen it. Um, I guess out of you know the, the Annabelle films, uh, I haven't seen them, and I've heard mixed things about them. Um, so I don't have a lot of familiarity with this universe, having only seen one of the four previous films. Have, have you seen any of the other ones? Yeah, I saw the Conjuring. I really liked it. It was a good, uh, really good newer uh, horror film. Uh, I have not seen the second Conjuring. I believe I saw. I did see the first Annabelle, but it. I don't remember much, and that is a reflection of I think it was really bad. Yeah. Um, apparently, the, I haven't seen the second Annabelle, uh, but I heard that was an improvement on the first. It's a prequel. It's a, it's about how the, the Raggedy Ann doll yeah. became possessed. Or so I've seen The Conjuring and Annabelle, and I really like The Conjuring. Annabelle was, uh, was not great, in my opinion. But this here is kind of another twist in the universe. It's a spinoff, or it's, it's something that they have encountered or uh, in their past. I mean, we see the bumpers on either end. It's... It's, it's one of their cases or something that they've encountered in the past that sort of is related to the main sort of Conjuring storyline. That being said, it's definitely it's, its own self-contained yeah. story. You don't really need to have seen the other movies to, to watch this. So we'll start with pre-spoilers and uh, try to keep it as generic as we can. I'll get it started. And uh, like the other films uh, in the Conjuring universe, the production value in this is pretty solid. Uh, various sets used in the film I thought were effective. You've got a lot of different kind of spooky sets in it. You've got worn down, tattered castle rooms. You've got 
dimly lit tunnels. You've got kind of these creepy worship rooms. You've got the fog-covered cemetery in the woods. You've got this hallway where there are hanging crosses and our demonic force is always appearing at the other end. There were also some cool overhead shots of the castle, some overhead shots of the countryside. I liked those. But did any of it feel new to me? Did any of it feel that I hadn't really, that I hadn't seen something like this before? Um, I thought it seemed pretty unoriginal for the most part, and that was a trend for me that carried throughout other aspects of the film. For the most part, the scares, the music, the way it tried to create suspense, it kind of felt like we've seen it all before. Maybe not from one individual horror film, but from the genre in general. Yeah, not a lot of originality in this. I do agree that it, it its biggest strength was creating a creepy atmosphere. Yeah. You know, I, you talk about Have We Seen It Before with a big castle movie that came out last year, um, A Cure for Wellness, sort of popped into my head about, you know, this sort of setting. But again, that was a movie that had great production value. With, yeah. You know, uh, Gore Verbinski, obviously he's known for that. But, um, you know, really good atmosphere. The idea of this sort of abbey that's out in the isolated Romanian mountains, you know, in the forest with the eerie crosses littered throughout the grounds and the dark shadowy corridors. You know, I, I think that that was a cool setup yeah. to at least go into like this, you know, we have the, at the very beginning, we have this sort of setup for the story, which, it, which was kind of creepy and started the film in a good way. Um, I thought the performances were decent in this. It's a, it's a small cast. We just, you know, Demir Bisher as, uh, <laughs> Evan would like to say, uh, but, uh, yeah, that you was, know, yeah. um, but, I think the leads were pretty good. You know, Damien Bashir in particular, I really liked. He, he plays the father, the priest who's sent to go investigate. And he's supposed to be this guy who's sort of seen all these things before, you know, this guy who's sent to check out sort of strange occurrences. You know, we don't get a ton of backstory on that, um, but it's, he, you can tell he's been in situations like this before. Yeah. And I liked how when these creepy things started, start happening in the story, he doesn't seem too freaked out too much, right? He's He, he sees a spirit uh, running through the halls, and he's chasing after it full speed. He's not scared. He's not creeping around with a candle, you know? It's like yeah. he, he's not afraid to sort of dive headfirst into this mystery, with the exception of one scene that I'm not <laughs> going to give away, but yeah. we'll talk about it in spoilers. Um, but for the most part, I think his character was consistent, at least. Pacifermiga, she's okay. I mean, mostly she just yells and lurks around the whole time. Um, but, but I think the performances were all right. But yeah, mostly ultimately it's kind of forgettable it's just a jump it's a run of the mill you know they go for the jump scares way too much yeah. to the point where you know it's coming you can see it coming you know they try and give you the oh quick scare but most of the time i wasn't scared i, th I think i maybe jumped once or twice yeah i wasn't all that scared either i did think like you said it had a kind of a creepy atmosphere and, and did good at times to create suspense but Creating suspense isn't necessarily the same thing as being scared, right? And you talk about the performances. I said I thought they were okay. Um, our lead, she was like this innocent and wide-eyed nun in training. I guess it worked. But does it really matter? This movie, there's not a lot of acting required, right? It's a pretty simple role. It's not a role that's going to have to provide really any sort of deep, meaningful emotion. It's you know Horror movies in general don't, don't require this type of acting skill that, say, a drama would. Um, you just need to be able to scream, basically. Exactly. Um, beyond that, you know, I, I thought that I, I was a Frenchie, who was our third guy, big miss for me. The reason I think he was a big miss is not that I thought he wasn't good. He was like the third character who was this comedic relief character. And 
he was simply there to like to drop like funny one-liners in the most random and inappropriate spots in the film and I thought, you know, man, why are they trying to make this funny? Yeah. This is a horror movie, and they're in the middle of a really, what's supposed to be scary scene, and then he'll drop, like, a one-liner. I'm like, it did not make sense at all to me. I thought that he didn't fit the film well at all. I wrote that, literally wrote that same thing down. Misplaced humor that showed up in the last 15 minutes from the Frenchie character. And that's what made it even worse. It wasn't really there in the beginning. Yeah. And then, in the last third of the movie, he's, like, dropping these... I'm French-Canadian! You know, like, it's like, what? What is going on here? And the other thing with the Frenchy character is he would show up, he, his sole purpose was to, like, drive the plot. Someone's gotta find the gnome. Yep. Someone's gotta take him to the castle. Someone's gotta show up and save them at the last minute with the shotgun. You know, someone's gotta be the, you know, it, it's, it, his character served no purpose other than that. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was a, a I, pretty, I, pretty bad character for the film. I also think that, um, there was these sort of random tangent storylines going on throughout the movie that we can get, mostly with Father, played by Damien Bashir. We can get into that a little bit more in spoilers. Um, there was yeah. just these random things that would happen that were basically seemingly done just to maybe make the movie more creepy, but ultimately it just made it more dumb. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a movie, it's a horror film that, you know, it, it ain't going to stand the test of time. We've reviewed a couple horror films this year, uh, A Quiet Place and Hereditary, um, and both of those are far superior films than this yeah. one. Um, so, you know, uh, let's get into the, yeah, into the spoilers will. here so we can uh, get this over with. <laughs> yeah, since we're in spoilers now, I agree. You don't need a side plot just so you could have some demon-looking kid with a snake coming out of his mouth. You don't have side plots just so you can have creepy elements in the story. It's kind of what I, my critique with Slenderman. Don't do this. That has no point just because it's scary. Um, so, yeah, to kind of round out where I was kind of starting with this is I think of, like, you know, 21st century horror films. Saw, um, Paranormal Activity. What did those two do that no other film had done? They were unique. It was something we'd never seen before. And again, part of my criticism with this was that it didn't seem unique or original at all. There were a couple scenes in particular that I thought, okay, this is something I've not seen. One of them was including the bells on the graves. Obviously, that was kind of creepy, and they used it for a scene when um, our, our main uh, the priest, he's Father Burke. Uh, yeah, Father Burke, he gets trapped in. In, uh, that was in effective, grave. I thought. I thought so, too. And it was the p one point where he was actually scared, to your earlier comment. Uh, there was also a scene where the, the where Frenchie was, like, walking through a room with nuns with bloody bags on their heads. And then we see we see uh, our, our nun in training, as I've <laughs> referred to her. Um, we see her kind of hanging. Didn't catch and, her name. Yeah. I think her name's Sister. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is her name, actually? It's Sister Irene. That's right, Sister Irene. So she, I thought that was kind of creepy and different. Um, but other than that, it didn't seem all that new. And can I just say, like, nuns are not scary to me. I'm not, when I think of nuns, I don't think, man, that's scary. It, it's not, and I thought parts of it were more comical than scary. When I'm, like, kind of holding back a chuckle, but I'm, like, I'm, oh, I'm startled, but yet thinking it's funny. Like, like some movies, so they had, they had scenes where these nuns would, like, transform into these scary zombie monsters with a lot of overkill special effects. Don't you think some horror movies are more effective with less gore, less CGs, less of that effect 
And I think this might have been one where that was better. Well, and they didn't hold back on that. Well, I was going to say, so the main sort of demon nun, whatever, when she was sort of lurking in the shadows and she was at the end of the hallway and then she would like slowly start approaching, that I thought was somewhat creepy. But at the end, you know, at the beginning we see her reflection when the, the first nun commits suicide to keep the demon yeah. in or whatever. And then we just sort of see her shadow in the stained glass mirror, and then the nun title pops up. That was kind of creepy. But when at the end, when we are in, she's in full view, and she's just got sort of like this demented, creepy face, and she's like, <laughs> you know, it look, literally looked like a Halloween mask. I know. It looked like the Jim Carrey mask from the movie in the 90s, when she was like screaming at, you know, our Frenchie right. character and whatnot. Not scary. And, yeah, well, t- too much of, too much. Yeah, Less and, is and, more. And, and how many times in a horror movie have have we been have has the movie been ruined because we see the monster or the villain or something too much and it's just not scary you know you you had a, a, a series i never actually watched a while ago you said it took place in like the antarctic and it had this abominable snowman and they purposefully the were withholding what the creature looked like because sometimes when you reveal it it ends up not being as scary mm-hmm. so go with the less is more yeah how many times though you say you don't think nuns are that scary how many times have we seen horror films try and turn something that's not scary into something that's scary i mean even if you know annabelle's a good example or the boy is a movie that came out a few years ago where it's just mm-hmm. a a stuffed boy you know <laughs> or even saw which it was effective in that movie because it created such a scary atmosphere, but it's literally just like a clown puppet on a tricycle. Like, if you just think about what it is, it's really not that creepy, but because that movie was so effective at creating an atmosphere, it creeps us out. So I'm not going to say that you couldn't have pulled this off and made it creepy. Like I said, I think nuns, you know, well, nuns do kind of scare me and they're sort of, you know... Uh, what what they're what what they're all about, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. Uh, but you know, it could have been done better in this movie. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I'm not. I'm having a hard time thinking of it right now. But we, you, but we recently reviewed. We talked about a film, and I can't remember it right now. But I, I had made the point. It took things that weren't scary and made them scary, and did it well. This film did not do that. That was well. the ring when you talked about that. Yeah, yes, you're right. That remember that? Like it was so different and unique, no gore. And that, that was, was all done through the videotape. And, yeah, and that, so that, it was an original, another original after you know being it's a remake, but it was still their original idea. So anyway, I, I also thought, you know, there were some there were some really bad cliches as always, like why are you splitting up in the tunnels? Why? Why would you ever do that? Like, that's the horror movie no-no, and it's a plot crutch so that they can all, you know, they can move the plot forward. But that was something that bothered me. I thought the plot was... What I didn't like was I thought it was pretty basic, right? The setup is okay. Like, we're taken along on this mystery, and I'm like, oh, this is like a, a mystery. I like this. To figure out what's happening at the monastery, but... There's not a lot of depth in the conclusion. It's just like, yeah. Well, we find, a- we find out that there was just this deranged duke who was like into the dark arts yeah. and like summoned this creature. And then they put it away. The, the, the uh, crusaders showed up and put it away. And then World War II came and the bombs came. And because a bomb hit the tunnel, <laughs> it opened up again. You know, it's just kind of lazy. Weak. It's not It's not great. Um, so, you know, too many jump scares, cliche jump scares. The bumpers at the beginning of the end with Ed and Lorraine Warren, Vera Farmiga, and Patrick Wilson, did they not seem, like, super rushed? It was like, this nun that we saw in our dreams, it was real. Then we went to the story. And then at the end, we find out that Frenchie actually is possessed. 
And, you know, then we see him later when he's actually possessed and Lorraine Warren gets touched and whatever. And I get they're trying to tie it into the universe and whatever. They're it trying to like a stretch. bring it back into the other films, but it didn't feel like it gelled at all. It felt like they were just doing it to do it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and it's interesting that you bring up the other films because and how you felt it was too much jump scares. One of the things that The Conjuring, the first one does so well, is create suspense and scares in timing. You know, we're all conditioned to ex expect a jump or a scare or something to pop out at a certain time. But in that movie, it's more clever and less predictable. You don't get the jump when you think you're going to. You don't see something you think you're going to see pop out. And it throws off your timing, and that makes it more scary. And I don't think it did that as well in this film. Also, uh, what this pulled from The Conjuring was really to put us in the perspective, put the viewer in the perspective of the characters. Very deliberate pan shots and um, camera movements to create suspense. It did it really well in The Conjuring. It tried to do it here, and it was okay at times. Um, but, you know, look, it's not, it's not tough, right, to create at least a little suspense and scares when... You know, you're one of four people in a dark theater with a big screen and the music and the noise blaring. So I'm not going to give it that much credit for creating a little bit of suspense here and there. And I'm gonna, I will also say that I was in the theater probably with ten other people, and there was none of that. Oh my gosh, you know, clutching and it was like three or four couples, and then you know, a couple yeah. guys. There wasn't that sort of like, oh, I'm so scared, or you know, they're clenching their arms because they're so terrified. But it just wasn't there. It just didn't do it very well. So, anyways, let's let's wrap it up here. What are yeah. you, What are you sort of your overall thoughts and give it a rating? So at the end of the day, this film for me did not provide any lasting horror. And what I mean is, you know, scenes, you, you know, those movie scenes are so terrifying that they're, it's hard to get it out of your head. Truly great horror movies are the ones that keep you up at night when you go home and get home from the theater. I will not be losing any sleep over this movie. It will be probably out of my memory bank in a few days. But at the same time, production value was solid. And obviously they, they put some money into this and there were things about it in the atmosphere that were creepy. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Really average for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked the setup. I liked the sort of setting where this yeah. movie takes place. I thought that was cool. Like I said, I, I appreciated Damien Bashir. I thought he did all he could uh, with the sort <laughs> of... Uh, you know, subject matter that he was given. I thought the nun, when it was lurking in the shadows, was pretty creepy, but as I said, when it sort of came in full view, it lost all of its effectiveness. This movie relied on horror cliches. It relied on jump scares. It didn't try and do anything, you know, too original outside of the coffin scene. I did like yeah. that. Although, even that, when they mentioned it, that it was common practice when they used to ring it when they buried alive. Were you surprised at all that it came <laughs> no, back in the plot? You knew that was coming. Yeah, so even then, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, the Conjuring universe, whatever they're trying to do here, I think that whole idea of having sort of a horror universe is somewhat commendable, and I give them credit yeah, for trying to do that. Too. That being said, fitting this story within that universe seemed like a bit of a stretch. Um, I wasn't really into the movie, but at the same time, there's definitely worse horror movies out there. Um, so I was in between a four and a five on this one. I'll give it a five just because it is it is pretty cool to look at. Yeah, absolutely. That production value kind of saved it from being way, way worse. All right, so that's all we have for you today. Before we let you go, let's, uh, let's run down the ways to, uh, you know, give us a like, give us a follow, a whole bunch of ways to support 
the SDFP. Yeah, ratings and reviews on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Just go ahead and search the Second Day Film Podcast. That's the biggest way that you can help us uh, get this pod into more people's ears. If you like or dislike the pod, give us a give us a comment, shoot us a text, write on Facebook, send us a tweet, do something. We just want feedback. We'd love to get more feedback um, from like-minded uh, film audiences. Um, so th- those are the big ways to get in touch with us. Um, and uh, yeah, so. We're going to, you know, little lull in the uh, release calendar in yeah. terms of future, uh, you know, pods here. Um, our goal is, is to put out two a month or so, somewhere around there, yeah. give or take our schedules and whatnot. Um, but obviously we have the gap between the summer movies and the sort of big holiday releases. Uh, White Boy Rick is a movie that's coming out on Friday, which is a movie about uh, Michigan and Rick Worsey Jr. So I'm definitely interested in seeing that. You know, we've got, we've got the big, uh, you know holiday releases that are coming and obviously the academy award sort of contenders will be coming up soon um so we'll be checking in here every once in a while and uh as we say all the time we appreciate everyone who's listened to us so far yeah that's right thanks as always for listening and we'll see you at the movie